When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's V-Week on ESPN as we continue Jim Balvano's fight against cancer. Welcome to NFL Live Injury News to start the show. Trevor Lawrence went down last night on Monday Night Football. Here's Jags head coach Doug Peterson with an update on his quarterback status. So starting with Trevor, obviously, it's just a right um, high ankle sprain. Uh, everything's stable. Everything looks good. Um, and, and we'll see where he is here in a couple of days. I think just because it's uh, where it is in the ankle, that uh, it's not necessarily something that surgery would, would be warranted at this time. Is there a legitimate possibility that Trevor could play this week? I'm not going to put that timetable on Trevor. I'm not going to put him in a box like that, but uh, we'll see how he is in a couple of days. Dan Graziano here with us and with us throughout the show. Graz, kind of amazing after what we saw last night that Trevor Lawrence wouldn't be ruled out already in this game coming up on Sunday. What more can you tell us about the injury? Seems like it looked worse than it, than it turned out to be. And remember, Trevor Lawrence, you know, he has been a little bit of a quick healer. He did hurt his knee in a game uh, earlier this year on a Sunday and come back and play on a Thursday night that following week. So uh, the Jaguars are relieved that it's not worse. What they're going to do is give him a couple days to see if it settles down at all. Maybe see if he can get out on the field at any point this week. But in the meantime, they're going to work C.J. Beathard with the first-team offense in case he has to play and and make sure he's ready to go uh, if need be. So I think they'll just monitor Lawrence throughout the week in the hope that he might be able to come back or at least only miss maybe just the one game. Wide receiver Christian Kirk, the news not as good. Uh, He has a core muscle injury that's likely to cost him some time Peterson actually indicated that it was possible he might need to have surgery to correct this. So it looks like Christian Kirk uh, out multiple games for a a Jaguars wide receiver core that was just getting healthy with the return a couple weeks ago of Zay Jones. Thanks to Graz. He's with us throughout the show today, and we appreciate the update there. So good news for Trevor Lawrence, we think, and not as good news for Christian Kirk. Welcome into the show, everybody. Glad to have you here. Dan Orlovsky, Munich Kimes. Marcus Spears is here. Let's dive right into the Trevor Lawrence situation. Dan, a high ankle sprain for him. How difficult is it to deal with that if he does end up playing, whether it's this week or down the road even? Yeah, it's going to be a challenge. If we talked about Trevor Lawrence and said the two big jumps he's made this year, one, He's made some big boy throws down the field, and then two, he's become way more of a threat running the football. Well, this now on his right ankle is going to impact both of those things. That's the drive leg for many quarterbacks, the one that you plant on to push the ball downfield, so that impacts some of those throws. And then again, the the ability to get out and kind of earn some third downs with his legs. Now, go back to last year. Patrick had this against the Jacksonville Jaguars, if we remember. And I think the big thing is now that they have, I think, four games left, five games left, they're going to have to try to get him as healthy as possible for the obvious playoff run that they're going to be a part of. Hopefully they can still be in the mix for them as the number one seed. Patrick was able to get as good as possible or good enough to go win the Super Bowl. That's going to be the challenge for the Jags. Not only can he play, but how healthy can they get him for their playoff run? Yeah, and, I, and then too, Dio, I think it's on Doug Peterson to try to figure out a way when, he, when they do get him back 
to use this perimeter talent that they have in speed to get it out of his hands quickly. Obviously, you want to be explosive with the with the with the throws from Trevor, but you you think about this roster and these skill position players, and we were having a conversation last week about how tremendously talented they are. Now I know Christian Kirk is dealing with what he's dealing with, but we saw Parker Washington last night, number eleven. We saw Calvin Ridley on a couple of reverses. Evan Ingram, he's going to have to lean on that talent. And obviously, Travis Etienne out of the backfield and screen game. I think this offense can still be explosive without Trevor having to push it down the field as much as you would ask him to do with a fully healthy ankle. Just flipping it to the other side of the ball uh, in terms of players on the Jags who have to be better uh, if Trevor is hurt yeah. or absent in any way. The defense really shocked me last night with some of their yeah. struggles. This is a unit that I've actually felt was underrated through most of the season. Very fundamentally sound terrific run defense that linebacker group in particular had made massive strides from last year none of that was true last night we're going to give credit of course to the cincinnati Bengals, but i just saw so many missed tackles bad angles uh, they were attacking the linebacker group in particular in coverage and winning none of that can happen over the next few weeks they need to go back to playing defense the way they were uh, earlier in the season because yesterday they were a huge part of why jacksonville lost MK, totally agree. Uh, and it was wild to see how much zone they played. And they were just getting picked apart in their zone coverage, and there was n really never any adjustment. They also ran themselves out of so many football plays. Really, two that stood out. Yeah. Reverse, and you get Walker and Lloyd just running completely horizontally. No one squeezing the ball in this run. Here's a 30-yard run or 20-plus yard run for the Bengals. You go a little bit later in the game, they run the same play, just in opposite direction. This time it's Josh Allen. And again, Lloyd, there's no one squeezing here. Both of these defenders are just running themselves completely out of the play, paying attention in many ways to that Jamar Chase motion. This wasn't the only one. They got hit on two screens when they pressure when guys completely ran themselves out of it. So it's, you know, for me, Mina and Marcus, it's like they ran themselves out of plays. They played so much zone. They never got out of it. And, like, Cincinnati played well on offense. I just don't think they ever challenged Cincinnati to try to do something other than what felt relatively easy execution on their end. Yeah, Dan, quickly, as we got the news about Christian Kirk and his injury timetable being longer than Trevor Lawrence's, it seems, what's the importance of him to this Jags offense? Massive. He's as good a slot as we have in the NFL. And the thing about Jacksonville's offense that has really shown itself this year is they're a chameleon. I, I kind of say it right here. They, they, I don't know exactly who they are in a good way because they have so many different guys that are going to try to beat you on a week-in, week-out basis. Sometimes it's Ridley. Sometimes it's in Evan Ingram. But he's the one guy that really work in the middle of the field and then on third down in man situations – I believe Trevor has the most confidence and trust in. That's, to me, guys, like that's as big of an injury as, honestly, Trevor's ankle. Yeah, uh, by the way, Trevor Lawrence has never missed a game in his NFL career. Let's get you caught up on everything that did happen last night in a little more detail and give some credit to these Bengals. Bengals fans are wondering where that is. Okay, C.J. Beathard in for the injured Trevor Lawrence. Jaguars down 31-28 to after a Bengals field goal. Swagoo, I do think your studio went out, so don't say anything crazy. We'll get you back soon when it comes to the technical difficulties. <laughs> Jaguars well within field goal range after that play, so a few seconds 
30 seconds left. Brandon McManus sends it into overtime, drilling the 40-yard field goal. The game is knotted at 31. We're heading into OT. Bengals with the ball after forcing the Jags to punt. They can win it with a field goal. And Dan, Jake Browning to Jamar Chase across the middle. Spectacular catch. Yeah, up over the defenders, too. Like, the, the air and the touch on that ball. Mm. Obviously a contested catch. You see Jamar had so many catches that were tough last so night. So many. Big throw from Jake, and then you got to love the out to T. Higgins. Wins on Gamble, man. Coverage placed perfectly. That would be good for a first down. So that means a few plays later, Evan McPherson on to try to end it. He nails the 48-yard attempt, and the Bengals take it into overtime, getting the win 34-31. to Jake Browning, his first career win, which means he gets to talk to Lisa Salters. It just kind of looked like you've been doing this for years, but you haven't. Where does that calm, that confidence come from? I think I've just had a long time to really study myself and how do I play best, and I think that's just when I'm calm. And, you know, I, I really just focus on what I can control going through my reads, my checks. And, uh, you know, I think, I think that's where that comes from. It's watching Joe play like that, watching a lot of guys play well and play calm. And I think that's when I play my best. Yeah, he looked calm, all right, okay, especially from the second quarter on. Look at that. In the first quarter, Browning's average completion was behind the line of scrimmage. The floodgates opened after that, doubling his average yards per pass and a perfect 7-for-7 seven seven on throws that went at least 10 yards through the air. The only quarterback to do that this season, by the way. It does help when you have Jamar Chase, but credit to Browning. Dan, how did he and the Bengals do it last night? He played on time. I will give credit to their coaching staff, Ryan Callahan and Zach Taylor. There were some screens that they hit that I mentioned. I thought they moved the pocket really well, but he played on time. This is really about knowing where to go with the football versus what the defense is showing you and then trusting what your eyes tell you. Corner routes to Jamar Chase. That one matters because Cisco's right there, and if he late to that tight end, that's going to be at least a pass breakup. If not, he drives in front of it. So for Jake Browning, there's multiple examples of, and that's partly why I had a complaint about Jacksonville's defense was, there was never a picture change. It was very yeah. clear what they were trying to do, and he knew exactly where he was going with the football, and that's what allowed him to play so much on time. Yeah, I, watching this, felt like I had underestimated a couple of people coming into this game. One was Jake Browning. You guys know I'm a Washington Huskies fan. I didn't know he had this in him in terms of the accuracy, some of the throws he made, the go ball down the left sideline. Uh, he was extremely good in this game. But I feel like I also underestimated the coaching staff. Um, yeah. I heard people comparing Jake Br Browning last night. Oh, it's like watching Joe Burrow. Well, no, not at all, because they ran a completely different offense for him. Those boots. The play-action passing game, some of what they were doing with the RPOs, it was very well tailored to Jake Browning's skill set, yeah. which we all uh, learned existed at that level last night. So I think they deserve a lot of credit, even if, to Dan's point, I was surprised by the lack of adjustments on the other side of the football. Yeah, I'm glad both of y'all mentioned the coaching staff because at the beginning of that second quarter, it was a conversation that must have been had after we watched screen after screen after quick pass get thrown in the first quarter where they just said, we're going to let him, we're going to unlock him and let him make throws and let the receivers make him right. And I think that's the comfort that you have with this football team if you're Zach Taylor is that if we get it in the vicinity of our playmakers, then we trust those guys to make the quarterback right. But there was like an unleashing or an unlocking of Jake Brown. And both of those throws that you that you showed, Dan, and, and we just showed just now happened in the first drive of the second quarter. And I was like, okay, 
So they gonna let Jake Browning cook. <laughs> and he obviously had a day. And to your point, like when the defense doesn't change the picture, a lot of it has to do with it. And I tell y'all know we have this conversation a lot, man. It's hard when you don't it's hard when you don't know exactly what the offense is going to look like. You kind of on your heels before the game start. And the fact to your point, Dio, that they moved the pocket. You saw the boots and the rolls, and you also saw some athleticism from Drake Browning to get himself out of trouble. I think that put Jacksonville in, in, in harm's way from a mentality standpoint. And then to that point, what you and Mina showed earlier, their aggressive nature of up the field and how they like to play, it was an opportunity for Cincinnati to kind of live in their comfort zone knowing what they knew about Jake Browning and his skill set. We've praised Browning. We've praised the, the coaching staff. I thought the interior of the offensive line dominated the game as well. I mean, there's there's multiple examples uh, of yeah. them just pushing Jacksonville's interior. De- I did not expect that. The interior of their defensive line. So, you know, a lot of facets played at an extremely high level or performed that way for Cincinnati's offense last night. Yeah, we saw Jake Browning earlier this season when we had Monday Night Football, and we thought maybe he would play in place of Joe Burrow when he was still dealing with the calf injury. And something I remembered about talking to him, his NFL career so far hasn't gone exactly as planned. He didn't have everything kind of shake out his way, but he always said that if he did get the opportunity, he would be ready. He got that opportunity in front of a huge audience, a huge spotlight on Monday Night Football. He delivered. Really cool to see that story. All right. We're just getting started on NFL Live, you guys. The Birds' run game struggles showed up against the Niners in a major way. Has this Eagles offense become one-dimensional? We'll find out what Marcus has to say about that next. Plus, the Chiefs came up short on Sunday against a young Packers offense. Mina tells us what she saw from Kansas City's defense that concerned her most. It's all coming your way next on NFL Live right here on ESPN. We'll be right back. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. What a battle in South Philly. It is on. Purdy looks left, throws, caught. Debo Samuel is loose. Touchdown! The 49ers have scored now on six consecutive possessions. Debo's waving bye-bye. It's his third touchdown of the game. The play caller matchup was such a mismatch. This was a schematic thing. What the offensive coordinator of the San Francisco 49ers did compared to the Philadelphia Eagles should be abuse. We didn't coach good enough, we didn't play good enough. We didn't play to the standard and we lost. Yeah, the Eagles offense sputtered on Sunday. The run game especially 
Philly had season lows in rushing yards and yards per carry, nearly 100 fewer yards than average. They also failed to score a touchdown twice in the red zone. Keep in mind, they had not failed to score a touchdown while in the red zone since week eight. Amina, what caused the regression in an Eagles offense that's so good last year for sure, and then at times, even recently, has shown better in the run game? Mm -hmm. Well, they're still a good offense, but when you watch them, things don't feel like they come as easily Hmm. as they did last year. And one reason I believe for that is because they're facing significantly less single high coverage. Now, these are their past numbers versus split safety and single high coverage shells this year. As you can see, when they do get to face single high, they're one of the best offenses in the NFL throwing the ball. You remember all of those go balls to A.J. Brown down the sideline last season. So here's the problem for Philadelphia, Laura. This year, Last year, they faced single high 47% of the time, which is about average in the NFL. This year, they are facing it at the second lowest rate mm. in football, just above the Miami Dolphins, which is shocking because when you think of single high, you think of defenses selling out to stop the run. You look at the top, you'll see the Titans, the Niners, the Ravens all face a ton of it. But Philadelphia faces very little, so they don't get those easy completions uh, down the sideline. And I think there's a few reasons for that. One is I think defenses don't want to give up those completions to A.J. Brown, and they're more uh, willingly or deliberately trying to stop that with the two high safety shells. I think the absence of Dallas Goddard is factoring into it because often he is the answer against too high. And then I do think um, the run game is really affected by the fact that Jalen Hurts in particular is not running the way he did last season. All of his efficiency numbers as a runner are down across the board. So the net effect of all of this is they don't get those favorable looks throwing the ball, and I think it really hurts the offense. MK, I want to ask to clarify. So you're saying that they're seeing two safety defenses at the second most out of anybody in the NFL outside of Miami? Yes. And they're yes. not really effective against it right now or not, not what they should be? They're, they're still good against it. I mean, I, my point is, like, so if you look more. at their 11th in EPA per play, yeah, they're just yeah. not getting those, like, remember how they would face single high and Jalen would be like, all right, A.J. Brown, yes. Devontae, <laughs> down the sideline. They're not getting those looks anymore. Hmm. So, so hearing that makes me think two things. One, it, it's why it so often looks like they're searching for the big play because they're not getting the easy ones. Two, yes. this offensive line, and this is why I think they're seeing it more, MK, is part of it, they're not dominating the line of scrimmage right, right now. They're just not. They, if you go look at, when I say dent the defense, just watch this past week for San Francisco. You're going to get Kelsey on the pole. Watch for the left guard, Dickerson. He gets pushed back, so then plays dead, essentially. Now watch the backer and the safety beat both those guys for Philly to the point. That never happened last year. Marcus, you remember, we did the tapes on it. Again, watch this. This ball gets kicked to the perimeter. Two safeties. If I told you just that freeze frame right now, how many yards are we going to get? Seven, eight? They get three. San Francisco clearly beat them to the point. Here's another one. Mino, there's these two safeties. Look at what you're just talking about. Kelsey's going to pull again. You're seeing them. Watch the penetration. Plays dead. Kelsey's three or four yards behind the line of scrimmage right now. Now that allows so many other guys from the backside to run to the point, and they get two yards last year that would have been eight or nine. To to Mina's point in the splits field safety stuff, that's why I'm so fired up about this conversation. At this point last year, compared to this year, the Philadelphia Eagles have 200 yards less running the football before contact than they did Ooh. at this point last wow. year. It's weird to say, 
but their offensive line is not dominating, the, indenting the line of scrimmage like they were. And you know what's unfortunate about what both of y'all just said is that they are allowing it to happen. I love that number. Because they are giving it up. They're giving up on it. And we take the dynamic that we mm. had against the Buffalo Bills when they decided to do it in the second half, and that game flipped offensively for them because they were stagnant in the first half of that game as well. Six times DeAndre Swift carried the football. Now, I don't know if you need to go game well, Boston Scott. I don't know how you need to spread these carries. And Mina, to your point, Jalen not um, being as effective on the ground either. And maybe it has something to do with the knee. Yeah. But ultimately, the reason why we're not seeing this offense have success, and to your point, Dan, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to help y'all view this through the prism of a defensive line. When you're asking me to think and play physical, you have the advantage. Philly no longer does that. Yeah. They're not yeah. asking people to think. Mm. There is no nuance to the offense in the backfield. Remember we talked about all of those play fakes on zone read? Remember we talked about the extended handoffs after that action when you yeah. could just kick the ball to the outside and you create a perimeter run as well? When you look at this offense, they have lost layers to what they do offensively. And I don't know why they continue to stay away from it. At some point, you just got to fold a tent, go in the black alley, and just have a damn brawl. And it doesn't seem like they're willing to do that this year for some reason. And it's pretty disappointing based on how we think about this offensive line. Yeah, one thing I want to just throw in really quickly before we move on, guys. You know, I was on the Eagles sideline for the Chiefs-Eagles rematch just a few weeks ago on Monday Night Football. And seeing how frustrated Jason Kelsey was throughout that game, they won the game. Mm -hmm. But you're seeing all these shots in other games, too, so I'm not breaking news here, but you just yeah. see that he is frustrated. He's feeling that, too. He knows they need to, uh, to Marcus's point, have maybe a little bit more of a brawl with the Boogie. way that they're – Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead quick. But it's, but it's also a mentality thing, mm -hmm. right? Like, think about what we've had – what we've said about Philly the last couple of years, right? You don't want to play this team at the line of scrimmage, defensive line and offensive line, especially last year. And to Dan's point, Dan said this last week, Philly has lost their identity. And yeah. that identity is as simple as physicality. Like yeah. we could talk yes. about the nuance of the right. plays and the design. Yeah. The physicality we'll for this team special. is not the same. And it yes. made them special last year. For as much as we get enamored they, with the they, outside and the quarterback and the throwing the ball downfield, this was a physical team that you did not want to play for four quarters. They are no longer that. Right. You're not going to drop a safety into the box? All right, we're going to punish you for it. That's yeah. the identity of yes. where it used to be, but it hasn't been lately, I think, and the defenses reflect that. Yeah, listen, yeah. Uh, one thing I'm curious about, can they just become physical maybe in the next few weeks? And, and maybe they can. I mean, it, it's, it's different, right? It could be schematic, but it also could just be like the will to try to be that team. So we'll keep an eye on it either way. Hey, coming up next here on NFL Live, we talk a little bit more about the Packers. They outplayed the Chiefs Sunday night to claim another game in the win column. Can the Pack make a push toward the playoffs? Well, Dan tells us what's been working for them that can make this a possibility. It's all coming your way next on NFL Live. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, 
doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. The Sunday NFL Countdown crew has you covered for Week 14, 10 a.m. Eastern. And the Monday Night Countdown crew gets you set for both games. We have a doubleheader. Titans-Dolphins, that's where Dan and I will be. Packers-Giants, the other game, a two-hour pregame starting at 6 Eastern, both on ESPN and the app. We're back on NFL Live. Let's get into what went wrong for a couple losing teams this weekend. The Steelers lost to the Cardinals 24-10. Marcus, what went wrong? Well, one thing is they couldn't cover the tight end against Arizona. And I know watching this tape that Kyler Murray was like, thank God that they cannot because the pass rush was still effective when you talk about the guys on the edge and obviously T.J. Watt and Highsmith. But he was able to get his tight ends involved, and then find these type of plays with his legs and improv. There was a drive in this game where the tight end literally caught two touchdowns. And I was like, Pittsburgh, are you defensively just tired of this offense not creating anything, or you legit can't stop the Arizona Cardinals? Let's get to the Browns losing to the Rams, 36-19. to Dan, what went wrong? Yeah, their defense handling some of the stuff that the Rams threw at them to attack man coverage. First of all, crossers. It's one of the things that the Rams do better than anybody in football. And then motions. They were really, it was very Miami-centric in many ways. The different ways that they were changing where we're got guys were pre-snap and then motioning them across the ball and the lack of kind of communication. They got hit in man coverage on two jet sweeps that went for probably 75-plus yards. So the man coverage versus man was a big deal. The Chiefs were beaten by the Packers 27-19 on Sunday. Mina, what went wrong there? You know, the Chiefs defense has been really good this year, but one area where they have struggled is stopping play action. Now, losing one of their starting linebackers and safety early in this game didn't help, but Jordan Love absolutely shredded him, shredded them off of play fakes. 11-14 for 117 yards, passing rating 125. This is a problem going forward that needs to be fixed because when you look around the AFC, the contenders, you're seeing the Ravens, Dolphins, both elite play-action passing teams. And guys, as we saw in that game, the Packers have come alive. Their playoff push is real, okay? They are 10, yes, 10 times more likely to make the playoffs right now than they were in Week 8, sitting on a 2-3 and three shot to do it. Look at the left side of your screen there. Yes, that's cheese being used as a bullet point, as it should be, and it's Swiss, which is the best kind of cheese. Don't at me. They also have the easiest remaining schedule in the league. Their opponents have lost twice as many games as they have won. So, Dan, the Packers back in the playoff mix because of Jordan Love. He's making that face because he doesn't like Swiss cheese, I bet. Is that why you're making that face? Yeah, Swiss cheese is gross. American cheese and then cheddar and then mozzarella. I actually American like, cheese. Oh, my God. I like all cheese. Sorry. But, of just, course, Dan's talking about, like, the craft single, the little flap of cheese. Anyway, let's talk about Jordan Love and Green Bay. Why have they been so effective, Dan, in recent weeks? Yeah, because they got rid of Swiss cheese and started to use the right stuff. Um, I really believe that they have 
figured out who they can be in the run game and, and what scheme they have to mm. be in the run game. And it's Hello. not the, the efficiency Hello. and the effectiveness of their zone scheme and really their split flow. You see how every one of these clips, there's somebody from run, one side of the ball, and as the ball gets snapped, cutting the back side of the edge, it's creating better leverages for their offensive line. It's creating better angles for their offensive line. You know, we often talk about on our show, like, who who are who teams are. Now, contrast this to Detroit. Detroit is as run-diverse when it comes to scheme as, as anybody in football. But I think that the Packers on this run have figured out, like, no, 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 they're going to be a zone-run team this year, and they're best when they do split yeah. flow, meaning flow one side and somebody coming back across to cut yeah. the edge of the defense. I think it helps their quarterback. I think it helps A.J. Dillon, and I think it's the premier part of their play-action game. Yeah. There was a there was a lot of talk from us last year about how this team was actually operating. And if, if y'all remember, we had a bunch of conversations about Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon kind of leading the way for this offense that was sputtering on the outside. And you saw it in this game as well. And I can't believe Dan talking about the run game as much this year as he is. It just makes me so happy. Like, <laughs> and, and you look at A.J. Dillon and this bring your own blocker as well. Yeah. Like, there's a... There's, there's a sentiment when it comes to the Green Bay Packers, obviously, in this game, and it showed up against Kansas City. You got to make a decision. Are you going to continue to tackle him from a distance with your safeties, or are you going to bring him up? And that's where we saw those opportunities from drawing love downfield. It was enough to just make them one step slower defensively, talking yeah. about Kansas City, in order to give him an opportunity to push the ball downfield, whether it be against zone or man, and we saw him take those chances. Yeah, the Packers offense right now is sort of the epitome of the rising tide lifts all boats because mm. all the pieces of it are playing better and developing because yep. they're so young as the year goes along and they're all helping each other. You guys talked about how the run game is helping the pass game. One thing that really caught my eye in the Chiefs game is how Love's improved accuracy and it really improves like on a week to week basis is yeah. helping these young wide receivers. Um, in, in ways that you didn't see early in the year, particularly getting yards after the catch. Christian Watson and Jaden Reed, that's actually one of the faster one-two punches in the NFL. Um, you know, both of them ran, I think, like four, three sixes at the combine. Uh, so one thing that Matt LaFleur has done really well to take advantage of that speed is put them on crossers. And if Love can put the ball in a place optimizing their ability to get yards after the catch, well, yeah. you get what we saw against Kansas City, which is hmm. they were killing them coming across the yeah. field. So it, it really mm -hmm. is a testament to, I think, Jordan Love's improved accuracy that we're seeing that out of them. Dan, did you have something? Boogie, one last thing. Uh, oh. One last thing. Oh, go oh. ahead, Dan. Go ahead, Dan. I, I was just going to say, Mina, that the, the play action, and we've talked about this, it's really given him time to not be mechanically perfect, but I do think he's improved mechanically from his lower half, and that's improved his ball placement. Yeah, look, I, we, we just had big discussions on offense. I just want to warn everybody, as Dan talks about this playoff run with Green Bay, that defensive line starting to hunt hey. now. Luke Van Ness, Preston Ooh. Smith, Rashawn Gary, Carrick, they are starting Gary. to get after the quarterback individually and as a team. So playoff for Green Bay, you got to have that element, and that element is starting to show up in a major way. 
Yeah. Hey, um, you guys at home, don't tell them. But if they want to go, a lot of times I'm going to let them go, okay? Uh, like 99.9% .9 of the time, <laughs> if somebody wants to get back in, we act like we maybe wouldn't. But no, 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 they can always go. Raise your hands, people. I'll let you talk. All right. The Eagles swept in to claim Shaq Leonard on a one-year deal. But is this new addition enough to slow down this red-hot Cowboys offense on Sunday? We discuss that next. We'll be right back on NFL Live. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, Duty, honor, country. A rivalry full of fire and... Next week, we have two Monday Night Football games at 8 Eastern. The AFC matchup between Tua Tungavailoa and the Dolphins and Will Levis and the Titans on ESPN and ESPN Deportes. Chris Fowler, Louis Riddick, Dan Orlovsky, and me will be on that one. And then on ABC, the NFC matchup between Jordan Love and the Packers and Saquon Barkley and the Giants with Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, and Lisa Salters, Peyton and Eli on ESPN2. Everything can be seen on ESPN+. It's going to be a great slate of games on Monday night. Time to read and react. Let's start with some draft news. USC announced yesterday that Kayla Williams won't play in the team's upcoming bowl game. Mel Kuyper Jr. and our team of draft analysts answered some questions about this draft class. That article you can see over on ESPN.com. But Mel was asked if Williams is locked in as a clear number one overall quarterback. He said yes, at least on my board. Williams, assuming he enters the draft, is going to have his 2023 season picked apart for the next five months. But when you really study his tape, you will see he was still tremendous. He is an outstanding talent, a passer who can do rare things when he's moving in and outside the pocket. Plus, the reality is May, Drake May, had some inconsistent games and didn't grab his chance to move up down the stretch. Williams is going to go wire to wire as my number one quarterback. So Mel leaning in. Dan, is Williams the clear-cut number one QB for you? I do not believe so. Now, listen, out of structure, he's unbelievable. He, out of structure, he is Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson-like. I do think teams are going to say he's six foot one. Some teams won't like that. I do think the conversation of in structure versus out of structure is going to be a big deal to teams. Now, why was he in, not in structure much? 
Was it asked of him that much? Probably not. Number two, they had to score 40 a game to win. So you got to be big play oriented. And then three, he's probably one of the two or three best athletes on the field every time he plays. So you're going to lean into that. But I don't think it's a home run that he goes number one. Likely not a, not a lock. Meanwhile, for the Jets, the quarterback situation has gone from bad to worse. Yesterday, Robert Sala said he did not have a decision on who will start this week and was asked about Zach Wilson's willingness to play. Let's be clear. Um, if he was reluctant to play, guys, he wouldn't be here. All right. Uh, I actually coincidentally just got done speaking with him. Uh, he came in about a half hour ago and we had a really good conversation. The young man wants the ball. He wants to start. He believes he's the best uh, quarterback in the room and best quarterback for this team and the best and the guy who gives us the best chance to win. Um, and I'll tell you guys the same thing I told him. I appreciate it. I appreciate the fact that he wants to play. I'm just not there yet. Golly. Okay, Graz, uh, what can you add on the Jets' QB situation? Yeah, Laura, much like uh, Dan Orlovsky's list of favorite cheeses, just not a lot of good options here for the Jets. <laughs> Look, they, 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 they want to go to Zach Wilson. They feel like he would give them the most upside. Uh, but there are issues there between, you know, the benching that left a bad taste in his mouth. The relationship between Wilson and the team, not great. His future there is obviously cloudy, so stuff to work through. They cut Tim Boyle, who started their last two games. They brought in Brett Rippon, who knows Nathaniel Hackett from Denver last year. They still have Trevor Simeon. One of those guys will start this week. It'll probably be Zach Wilson, but as you just heard Robert Sala say, they're not there yet. Mm, um, American cheese is to cheese as Zach Wilson is to quarterbacks. I think I'm done here. All right, to Detroit, where Sam no. Laporta had a career game with 140 <laughs> yards on nine receptions and a touchdown against the Saints on Sunday. Here's his coach, Dan Campbell, a former tight end himself on the rookie's success. I have no idea what it's like to go out there and get open and run routes and catch the balls he's catching. I, I was never even close to that. Um, I, I, uh, it is not easy. It's not easy to play this position as a rookie and, and to do all that we're asking him to do because he does it all. He, it's in the run game, it's protection, and then you see the pass production. That's what everybody sees, right? The numbers, the separation, but nobody has really any true idea of all the other stuff he does for us. And that's a tight end. That's what a tight end does. And uh, I'm glad he's ours. Oh, one of those salty shirts. Uh, Mina, what's impressed you about Laporta? Oh, did he get a little choked up there, Dan Campbell, talking about him? I would, too, because he's been fantastic <laughs> for this team. Uh, and it's really a testament to his versatility and also his fit in this offense. The Detroit Lions want to do two things on offense. They want to use run action and personnel groupings to manipulate defenses, and then they want to attack the middle of the field, where Jared Goff is elite throwing the football. This weekend, Sam Laporta was 7-for-7 seven seven on catches between the numbers. He is a perfect fit for Detroit and his performance this year, I think is a testament to their scouting and coaching departments working hand in hand to pick the player. Oh, I love it. Hey, former Colt Shaq Leonard signed with the Eagles yesterday. Here's defensive coordinator Sean Desai on the addition. I can't speculate on anything that happened with the Colts, uh, but you know, I mean, Shaq's been a all down, all pro linebacker in this league. And so we're excited to get him in here and. Get, uh, get working with him, uh, kind of teach him our stuff and have him part of that room and compete with everybody and, and then move forward that way. So, uh, you know, it's just a, another good piece because we like the guys that we've got in that room and it's just another great job of getting another veteran presence there for us. Marcus, how much of a challenge is it for a vet like Leonard to sign Monday and potentially play this Sunday? 
It's a challenge, Boogie, because of communication. But a lot of the concepts are the same in the NFL. It's just different verbiage. You hear so many people, well, you see so many players can leave a team one week and play the next week and potentially on a limited basis for as much as information that Shaq Leonard could get in. But the Philadelphia Eagles need more people at the linebacker spot. So I'm sure it's a mad rush to get him caught up on communication, get him caught up on communicating not only with his front, the defensive line, but the back as well. And as if you get to that point and he's healthy, they sh this should be a significant upgrade from where they are linebacker wise. But the communication and verbiage is the biggest jump that he's going to have to make in order to play this week. We've got more coming your way here on NFL Live. Don't go anywhere. Coming up, the playoff race heating up in the AFC South. Did the Jags, Colts, and Texans all have a chance to secure a spot? We'll make the case for the difference maker for these teams as they fight to the finish line. It's next on NFL Live right here on ESPN. Make a difference today for someone who is fighting for their tomorrow. The great Jim Kelly, it's V Week at ESPN when we partner with the V Foundation to highlight the urgent need for cancer research. This is game-changing research that helps save lives. You can join the fight against cancer by visiting v.org slash donate. And remember, 100% of your donation goes directly to cancer research. We're back on NFL Live, let's get Back to the big story of the day as Trevor Lawrence went down with an ankle injury on Monday Night Football that looked a lot more severe than it seems it was. They're saying it's a high ankle sprain, and Doug Peterson said today he would not rule out Lawrence at the Browns on Sunday. So positive news, certainly considering how it looked, and you just saw some of that footage as well. All right, tough news, though, in Jacksonville either way. Um, we did hear, of course, that they are going to be without Christian Kirk for a while, too. The Jags lost with the injuries last night, but the AFC South is up for grabs with only five games to go. So one game separates the Jags, Colts, and Texans. All three are among the top 10 easiest remaining schedules this season for ESPN Analytics. An important note, the Jags do hold a tiebreaker over the Colts and split their two games with Houston. So let's have each of you make a case for how these teams could become AFC South champions. Marcus, you are first with making a case for the Jags as they do deal with those injuries we just talked about. Yeah, lean into your talent and bring a little bit more discipline defensively. But more importantly, Doug Peterson, do what the team that you just lost to last night do. Get your second string quarterback as prepared as possible so you don't lose some layers to this dynamic offense that you have with these magnificent weapons on the outside. And I believe they can. This is a correction week for the Jacksonville Jaguars. This is a maturity week as well. We saw some of that youth take a hold when we saw Dan and Mina talked about it earlier about how the guys on the defensive line and defensively, it was always attack mode and kind of leaving some technique to the wayside, getting a little bit sack hungry is what I call it uh, yesterday playing against Cincinnati. Mm. But ultimately, Doug Peterson is a veteran head coach. He's done magnificent things with a backup quarterback before, as we all know, to the tune of a Super Bowl with Nick Foles and the Philadelphia Eagles. So I think he leans into his experience, creates an opportunity for C.J. Beathard, if he is the starter going forward, to, to thrive and have this offense be as explosive until he gets Trevor Lawrence back. That's the challenge, and I think the Jaguars will do it, and it's because of Doug Peterson. Mina, what's the key for the Colts if they're going to win this division? Make your case. 
a good one. The most important thing, Gardner Minshew, don't turn over the football. When you watch Ooh. the Colts uh, offense, there's a lot to like. Uh, the offensive line is back to being a strength after a down season. Uh, the young pass catchers, I think, are playing really good. Love Josh Downs, the rookie that they added this year. And I think Shane Steichen, who behind another coach in this division should probably be the favorite for coach of the year, is, yep. is calling an ex doing an exceptional job, not just calling the offense, but also finding edges with trick plays, fourth downs, that sort of thing. On the other side of the football, the four-man rush is amongst the better standard rushes in the NFL, yep. with, of course, Buckner, Pay, Ebicom playing really well. Minshew just needs to not turn it over. I, I, when I watch them, the, the, they're just plays where and sometimes but he doesn't there's get like punished for it. Game That's why like, games. Uh-oh, is it going <laughs> to get picked? Don't do it. Yeah. Uh, if he doesn't, if he doesn't, I actually I think they can compete in every game. Dan, how would the Texans take this division? offensively continue to dominate in the play-action game and stay committed to the run. They're not great at it, but they don't get away from it, and I do think that matters. Two, Brevin Jordan's yeah. got to take a step. They're obviously going to miss Tank Dell. They're going to have to find production from people that they haven't necessarily. We've seen a little bit from Brevin Jordan. Defensive side of the football. When I watch this defense play, they remind me of watching San Francisco's defense play. It's not overly complicated. They are not going to try to confuse you and or trick you. They are going to let their guys play fast and they know exactly how you're going to try to attack them. I know we just showed the, the Stingley tip interception. MK and I were texting about this one. The other one that's down yeah. the field. This is what I mean when Ooh. defenses know how you're going to attack them. They, they, they play to that. Stingley knew exactly what the offense was going to try to do and in many ways like baited Russell, and I think because of how fast that defense plays, that's going to be the backbone of getting there with C.J. Stroud. Guys, time for one more thing before we go, and we like to call ourselves out on this show. We all picked the Jags yesterday, <laughs> which means the NFL Live curse is unfortunately alive and well. Let's go ahead and pick this game, okay? We're all picking the Commanders. Bears fans will be rejoicing getting a win here in Washington. Oh, boy. Listen, we're all on the same team. Uh-oh. Love. Enzo. Intercepted. Good night. We might be all on the 49ers. Nah. And it looks like we are. Birdie mm -hmm. steps through. Floats it. He's picked. And that's it. All of us are picking the Bills. Did you guys see that? Everybody on the Bills. And the Broncos have come to Buffalo, and they're going to leave with a win. Once again, the NFL Live curse could be alive and well, but I don't know. We're all in the Jags. Fearson got it, and this game is over. Okay, um, we got to go, but we stink at picks. I'm going opposite every time. <laughs> I feel like